Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. My name is Brian Diardo, joined today with Matt Zimba. It's been a long time since we've done a podcast, so we thank you for your patience. We're very excited. There is a ton to talk about. Uh, we know uh, the summer is just underway. I mean, for pretty much everybody, you know, when the weather gets warm, that's when summer officially is. So I, I don't wait till later June. I'm going to go ahead and say it's summer. But we've got tons to talk about today. Uh, one of the first things is the new uh, uh, news that's just been brought to our attention, which is James Harrison. And uh, if you're not, if you haven't been paying attention too much to uh, Twitter and social media uh, this week, Roger Goodell's uh, Twitter page was, or the, I'm sorry, the NFL's Twitter page was hacked, and uh, uh, the NFL, whoever hacked the account wrote that Roger Goodell had passed away, which obviously is not true. Uh, it wasn't hacked very long. The NFL uh, was able to, to, to find out what happened or allegedly did because uh, they deleted that tweet, and uh, they're back to just doing what they normally do. Uh, but shortly after that, James Harrison posted on his uh, Instagram account a text message by someone who we're assuming is either his agent or someone from the NFL telling him that he has to take another PED test tomorrow with the league. This is now, if you're keeping score at home, his third assigned PED test since he announced, uh, what, a month ago, six weeks ago, that he's going to come back to the NFL. Um, with that being said, Matt, timing of the NFL's tweet fiasco, and now they're them telling Harrison he needs to do another PED test, which I would look at as punishment to make a guy come in on his day off and, and do this. Uh, do you, do you see, think Harrison has a point in pointing out, because, you know, in this uh, Instagram post, he thinks there's a, a – a, it's not a coincidence that he's saying the NFL is doing this on purpose, making him take the test. Do you think that that, that Harrison has has some validity, or do you think it's just a coincidence that this is all happening on the same day? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that uh, recently in his career, the league has, uh, you know, targeted him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of odd that he's on his third one for the off season. Uh, you know, you would think that every player would uh, have the same number of PED tests done, you know. So, so, yeah, I think it's a little odd. I do, too. You know, I think Harrison might be might be stretching it a little bit. Like, I don't think the NFL is blaming him at all for the hijacked account. But I will say this. I mean, a lot of times, and, and we all know those of us that have worked in the business, corporate world, and whatnot, sometimes when things happen to your boss, they have to – uh, you know, show their dominance or kind of reinforce that they're still in charge. And I feel like this could be a power play by Goodell. Like, okay, ha, huh, you guys got me, but hey, random drug test, James Harrison. Almost just kind of reinforcing that. While yes, people can play pranks on me and whatnot, I'm still uh, kind of I'm still in charge. So I could see that, but I don't. I absolutely don't think the NFL is accusing Harrison of, of you know being behind the hijacked uh, Twitter account and anything like that. But I, I do think that. And I also do think for sure, 100%, that the league is trying to catch Harrison in the act. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, especially with the Al Jazeera report that came out in December that had Harrison and Peyton Manning's uh, names in their list of of PED users in the past. And, you know, the validity of that report could be disputed. Uh, Al Jazeera no longer exists. So, you know, know, who really knows uh, whether or not, you know, there was validity in that report. But but that being said, the NFL definitely looked into that report. They still are. They're still interviewing eyewitnesses. Peyton Manning's going to be spoken to soon. 
um, you know, the retired quarterback of the Broncos and Colts. So I definitely think that the NFL is going to do whatever they can to catch Harrison in the act. Remember, Harrison's been estimated, uh, been fined an estimated amount of $150,000 since his career began back in 2002. So uh, this is definitely a guy that uh, the NFL looks at and monitors, and uh, especially with with Harrison's outspoken uh, thoughts on the NFL, most of them, if not all of them, negative. I don't think it's a coincidence at all that he's already been uh, drug tested three times uh, since he announced his comeback to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's kind of the newest news surrounding the black and gold. Remember, the Steelers never really are out of the limelight. And uh, let's talk about things that are on the field with the Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. The Steelers are in week three of OTAs. They went bowling yesterday for their seventh day. And if you don't really know what OTAs is, pretty much just, just drills for the team, both individual, uh, some conditioning. And then there are some seven-on-seven drills. Uh Mike Tomlin's favorite drill is seven shots when the team has seven plays, offense versus defense from the two-yard line. Um, the second week of OTAs, I believe, no, it was the last day of the first week of OTAs. Antonio Brown finished his duties on call, uh, Dancing with the Stars, and his first day back with the Steelers in 2016, he pointed to Artie Burns and said, let's go. And uh, they battled during the, the seven-shots drill, and he was actually able to beat Artie Burns on a touchdown pass when – Burns thought that uh, Brown was going to cut to the inside. He moves to the outside. But but Burns, and, uh, from what everybody's saying and all the reports, that the people are really impressed with how he's done despite giving up that score. And obviously, going up against Antonio Brown, the best in football, that's going to happen. And, and Burns seemed to take that in stride. And if you look at social media, it appears that Burns and Brown's already struck up quite a rapport off the field. So uh, it, that's good. Anytime you hear it's the number one pick, it's doing well and meshing well with the team during OTAs. That's a positive thing. He is still on science, however, along with Javon Hargrave, the Steelers' third-round pick. Every other Steelers draft pick uh, has been signed, which is a good thing. Uh, and, you know, I don't think the Steelers have anything to really worry about in terms of Artie Burns' this contract uh, and whether or not it's going to get done. Actually, I read something on Steelers.com, uh, whether I think it was either today or yesterday, uh, that the Steelers have no – they're not stressing at all over Burns' contract. They expect that to be done. Uh, before the start of training camp. Uh, other news injuries, you know, Le'Veon Bell has been an active participant in OTAs uh, because, you know, see him get injured and whatnot. They're still kind of easing him back in. That's kind of been the theme of, of Le'Veon Bell's recovery. They're letting him participate in the first two days of OTAs, and they don't let him participate in the third day. There's only three days of OTAs per week. Um, so the Steelers have decided not to, uh, you know, they're holding Bell out for that third day. But other than that, he looks good. He's cutting well. Um, he's been doing a lot of uh, of, of things in, uh, in terms of passing routes and whatnot. So, um, obviously, the Steelers still want to keep him entrenched in the passing game. So, things looked good with Bell. Things are even looking even better with Marquise Pouncey, the Steelers' center. Um, he's done a great job. Uh, he actually is participating in all three days of, of OTAs and, uh, by all accounts, looks strong and, and really looks physical when, when – um, you know, you look at some of the videos of him at OTAs, his explosion off the ball. I mean, they're not pa- uh, practicing in pads, obviously. They're just practicing in shirts and shorts with cleats and helmets. Helmets is the only part of the equipment they're wearing. Um, Pouncey's driving into his opposing defensive lineman and shoving guys back with force. So you definitely can tell that Pouncey is, is fired up. And the Steelers did give him the option to take off on the third day of OTAs to, uh, along with Bell, and he's decided to say no. He's continued to... Uh, just, you know, do everything just like any other player would, um, even though he's coming back from that broken fibula. The guy I want to ask you about, Matt, is Sean Sweeson. It came out 
this week that Sweetstrom still is not 100%. He still hasn't kicked since he tore his MCL back in the Steelers' uh, first preseason game against the Vikings last year in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, but wants to be ready to go by the start of training camp, hopes he can be ready by the start of training camp, and wants to challenge um, the incumbent, Chris Boswell, for his old job and has been pretty adamant about winning that competition. Matt, do you think this should be an open competition, or do you think Boswell did enough last year where he should just be the clear-cut favorite, and uh, if the Steelers do decide to keep switching, he is going to be in the backup role? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely do think that uh, that there should be an open competition. Um, you know, I think that uh, once he's healthy, uh, you should always have at least a chance to earn your job back. Um, but, you know, he, with, with whatever happens with the kicking situation, I, I think that both of them uh, will be in the league next year, whether it's in Pittsburgh or somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, he he costs quite a bit of money, and, and based on the contract situations, you know, no one really knows. Uh, I, I'm not really sure how that would affect the Steelers. I guess you, you'd have to find someone that would pick up that. I will say this. I, I think given what he can do, I would let him try out for, for a few reasons. A, if he does exceptionally well, then you may have suitors for him. And B, you know, maybe if if you know this, if, if he doesn't beat out Boswell, maybe you can get him to adjust his contract, give him more money Le'Veon Bell's way. Obviously, Antonio Brown will probably be in first in line to get extra money because you know, he has not at all been uh, adamant about getting a new contract. If you remember last year, <clears throat> Antonio Brown publicly said he would like a reworked or redone contract. The Steelers said no, but did give him an occasional, uh, an additional $2 million last year when Sweetsum and East Miller already uh, took money out of their salaries for last season. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about Antonio Brown, the Steelers have also let him do other things to make money. You know, obviously he's in commercials. He's on ESPN Magazine. He was on Dancing with the Stars. That stuff that does not come without a paycheck. He was also in HBO's football series last year with, with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So the Steelers have, been, have allowed Antonio Brown to make money outside of football. But, again, maybe if, they, you know, Sweesome, you know, is not the starter, maybe they can say to him, hey, listen, we still want you to be here. As all Steelers fans know, you can't have too many kickers. And, uh, Again, if you remember last year, the Steelers went through a barrage of injuries with kickers before Josh Scobie. Uh, that experiment failed just a month into the season. He was not any good. The Steelers brought in Boswell. So maybe they say to him, hey, come back, next, you know, come back, but take a reduced salary. The guy's going to be 35 years old this year. I don't think he really wants to be an NFL journeyman. He's already been on several teams. He's made it known that he loves the city, loves the Steelers. So, you know, maybe they can get him to stay for a reduced contract. But the thing is – Competition breeds uh, greatness. It, it breeds good things. So why not, if he's healthy, if he can compete with Boswell, have it be an open competition. And that should be a competition Boswell wins. And that's no knock on Sweetsum at all. This is a guy that made 88% of his kicks uh, in his five years as the Steelers' starting kicker. But when you look at what Boswell did a year ago, making 36 of 39 field goals, 7 for 7 in the playoffs, 29 of 32 in the regular season, uh, there's no reason to believe that he wouldn't be the Steelers' starting kicker, but you never know. Maybe he has a sophomore slump. We hope not, but I don't see any reason why the Steelers just wouldn't let there be an open competition. But let's talk about some some potential players that could replace uh, Martavis Bryant. To me, Matt, that's been the biggest blow to the Steelers' offseason. That news, when it came out, uh, that was a tough total swallow for a lot of Steelers fans and, and the Steelers. You know, Ben Roethlisberger, came out during the first first week of OTAs, said he was really disappointed 
in uh in his teammate Mortavis Bryant, who will be suspended for the entire 2016 season for missed drug tests, which as far as the, as the NFL is concerned, that is considered a failed drug test. On um, that, who do you think is in line to be the primary replacement for Martavis Bryant this season? I, I think Sammy Coates is going to be able to step up and have a good season. Uh, I remember you know, watching him in the preseason, thinking that he had a lot of talent. Um, you know, and but you know we just had so much depth at the wide receiver position. He didn't see uh, much time outside of that. Um, but I think this is going to be his year. Uh, yeah, I, I think so too. And I, I think a guy that I think this is actually the, you know a, a huge position battle is Sammy Coates versus Demarcus Ayers. Demarcus Ayers was the Steelers' first seventh round pick. Remember, the Steelers had two seventh round picks in this year's draft. And Ayers, when his name was called, I think a lot of Steelers fans kind of downplayed it because you know the Steelers know Steelers fans know that Kevin Colbert just loves drafting wide receivers. So. You know, I think a lot of Steelers fans thought, okay, well, you know, we already got, we already, you know, got enough guys on defense. We already addressed cornerback and safety and D tackle and linebacker. So this is just Colbert, just, just this is his next experiment. But really, when you listen to Danny Smith, the Steelers special team coach, he says that Ayers was their highest rated uh, kick returner coming out of this year's draft. And so when you hear that, which, you know, the Steelers need help at kick returner because obviously the dry archer experiment. Uh, the Steelers gave up on that midway through last season. So you look at that void, and you hear what Smith said, and you look at his stats at Houston, 1,200 receiving yards last year, and you hear all the things that, that Antonio Brown and the Steelers players are saying about the job he's doing at OTAs. The more you start realizing this guy might really be primed to do something this season. This might not just be a project player or a guy that um, you, you think, okay, well, this is just kind of a – you know, could be a one, two, three-year project. Might be better, you know, down the road. I think this is a guy that that's going to contribute right away on special teams, uh, and a guy that that I think honestly is going to be our fourth, at least our fourth receiver. I, I, as good as Darius Hayward Bay is, he's 29 years old, not old, but certainly out of it. I would say for him, not not in his prime anymore. Um, and I, I think he's going to remain the Steelers' fifth receiver. And you got to remember too, he does a really good job on special teams. So. I think he's going to remain in that role. I think the Wheaton is supplanted as the number two, and then I think it's a battle between Coates and Ayers at number three. But I'll be honest. I would say right now, if I had to pick one over the other, I would go Ayers over Coates. In all honesty, that's just a hunch. Because I've seen – I saw how what Coates did last year. He looked good. Um, you could tell there was some conditioning things. He said he's addressed those. He's in much better shape. And uh, when you when you read about who – which which Steelers have, have been around the team's facilities the most this offseason – Three names you hear the most are Coates, uh, Landry Jones, and Steeler cornerback Ross Cockrell, who is also signed to a multi-deal uh, deal contract um, earlier this offseason. So, you know, when you, when you look at the Steelers and you, and you look at who could step up big this year, that's a name that, that you got to remember is Coates, but also Demarcus Ayers. I think those are two big names. Another name, because I think that you and I would both agree that the Steelers, you, you can't just use one guy to replace Fortavis Bryant. Along with Heath Miller, that's another name that that really just just crushes you. And I'm going to ask you this question: which which player do you think was the, was a the bigger loss to the Steelers' offense, Heath Miller or Martavis Bryant? Um, you know, I I would say Martavis Bryant. Um, you know, because he was uh, 
you know, he, he's so young and he, it, it looks like he has such a promising career ahead of him. Um, you know, after this season, I think that, you know, he will get back and uh, he'll still be young. Um, but, you know, a lot of people were talking about Heath Miller, um, you know, getting close to retirement anyways, and people were starting to talk about uh, Jesse James taking over that role. So I guess, um, you know, that one, that loss is more foreseeable um, and we were more prepared for it. Uh, but the Martavis Bryant loss, that caught everybody off guard. That's a good answer. I don't think there's a bad answer to this, but I'm going to go with, with, with Heath just from the standpoint that I think if you're looking at the future and the potential and the explosiveness of the offense, if you're looking at the explosiveness of the offense, it's hands down Bryant. The playmaking ability, obviously, because how many 80-yard touchdowns did Heath Miller have or 90 or 70 or 60? None. However, with everything else that Heath Miller brought to the table, I'll say that he's the biggest uh, uh, loss out of the two. Just from the standpoint of, of leadership, of blocking, of toughness. Um, remember, he's the guy last year told Antonio Brown to, to shut up when Brown w- was upset with uh, the lack of passes that were coming his way when Ben was injured during that month's span, um, you know, during what's week three to seven, uh, weeks three to six of last season. Um, so, and then you also you remember, too, that, that, that no one has played with Ben on offense as long as Heath. Ben, and when you, when you look at Ben's career whenever it's over, you know, there's going to be no receiver that he played with longer than Heath Miller. Um, so, you know, when you look at, at Heath, you know, he was Ben's security blanket easily. So you're definitely going to miss that presence. And you remember the bang, both Bengal games in the regular season, Heath had 10 catches. That's 20 catches in those two games against a very good Bengal defense. You know, they went 12-4 and four and were pretty tough. So the Steelers are definitely going to miss, miss Heath Miller. I mean, they're going to miss both players, but – I think the Steelers did a good job replacing both with the mix of Ayers and um, Ladarius Green, the tight end that came over from San Diego, who, you know, never really blossomed into, into a prolific player with San Diego just because he was playing in the shadow of Antonio Gates. But when you look at, you know, what Green was able to do, four catches or 37 catches, four touchdowns last season when uh, Gates was out with injuries, um, he definitely proved that he could be a good player. Plus, at 6'6", 237 pounds, he replaces Bryant as the tall target that Big Ben likes. Um, obviously, Green, being 237 pounds, is not as fast as Martavis Bryant, but he can still stretch the field. He can still play possession ball. I think he can do some of the things that Bryant did, some of the things that Miller did. Plus, uh, with the blocking, because everybody knows that, that you know the big uh, dig on Green is that he's not a great blocker. Well, you've got Jesse James. You've got... Uh, You've got space, the veteran coming back again. So the Steelers have done, I think, a really good job. Uh, I mean, I don't think you can replace Martavis Bryant. I don't think you can. You definitely can't replace Heath Miller, but I think the Steelers have done a good job uh, addressing those misses, those losses, with players, I think, that can make an impact right away. So uh, once again, the Pittsburgh Steelers Morning Podcast off-season update with Matt Zimba and Brian Diardo. Uh, let's make. Let's look at the schedule, Matt. What are some? What are some? Some, some games that you've got highlighted already as games you're looking forward to next season? Uh, I'd say, you know, three that I'm really looking forward to uh, is that first Cincinnati game. Uh, it's week two of the season. It'll be the first game at Heinz Field and, you know, arguably the best rivalry in football last season. So that I think that's going to be a really exciting game to see. Um, you know, another one is definitely the New England game. Um, you know, I think I think this is the year that uh, we could uh, we'll come out and beat them in the regular season. Uh, and you know another 
my, my third game that I'm really looking forward to is the Indianapolis game on Thanksgiving. I just feel like that's the biggest stage of the regular season for the NFL. Yeah, oh, so, so hold on. Let's, let's, let's backtrack. You're going to say the Stewart beat New England this year. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think we will. Um, you know, I think, you know, if the no, – no, the Brady suspension that's being upheld, right? Yes, as of now, as of now. But, that, I mean, obviously he'll still be back by that time. Obviously he'll need to kind of work into the team and whatnot, but he will be back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a home game, um, you know, so I think, you know, I think it'll definitely be a close game, a good game, uh, the type of game we usually see between those two teams. But, uh, you know, I don't I, – I think the Steelers are going to be – a little better than they were last season, and I think New England could be a little bit worse than they were last year. So, I think you're I guess, right. I, 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 I said before. I, I guess what I'm looking at is what I saw from the playoffs. You know, when when the Steelers and the Patriots played each other opening game last season, you know, the Steelers lost what was it, by seven or eight points. Um, you know, and, and you look at the playoffs, and I think totally different. I thought the I thought the Steelers looked like they were the the team that uh, played better than New England in the playoffs. Unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to play them that late in the season, though. Yeah, well, that was a shame. I think the Steelers really. I I agree. I think the Steelers full strength. New England a full strength last year. The Steelers win. I will say this: you know, New England's defense wasn't that great last year, but they did a decent job against Denver in the playoffs and. If I'm not mistaken, they either shut out Denver's offense in the second half of that game, or I think they held them to a field goal. Actually, I think it was 17 to nine in the, in the at halftime. The Broncos ended up winning 20 to, to uh, 18 or something of that nature. So, um, you know, New England's defense. You know, with Bill Belichick, you know they're always going to be good because Belichick, at the end of the day, is a defensive mind. He won those two Super Bowls as the Giants' D coordinator. So, you know, I think with with that being said. Uh, the Steelers still would have beaten them just because the Steelers' offense, no one had an answer for them last year when they were 100%. I mean, what offense slowed them down? Really none. I mean, um, you know, if they would have played later in the season, I agree. The Steelers did play in week one, and we won't beat them by seven, but the Steelers missed two field goals in that game uh, in the first half, which I really think just just, just killed their momentum. I mean, they were down 21-3 to at one point, but if they have those field goals, you know, it would have been anybody's game, so... I definitely think if they would have played, you know, later on in the season, the Steelers, you know, would have won that game. But honestly, Matt, when when you look at the Steelers' schedule next season, I honestly can look at one game that doesn't have a juicy storyline, and that's that's Miami in Week Five, you know, uh, excuse me, Week Six. And beyond that, every game has a juicy storyline. Look at Washington; those, you know, the Washington game is going to be, you know. Two teams, two playoff teams. It's going to be a night game. It's going to be hyped up. It's week one. It's Washington with their, you know, that's the second biggest stadium in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. So that game's going to be awesome. Then the next week you've got the Steelers, a new rival, main rival in Cincinnati. The next week you've got the revamped Eagles with Coach Peterson now replacing Chip Kelly. You know, that's always a big game whenever you've got the the cross-state rivals and everything. Then you've got round three, Steelers versus Chiefs. They've split each of the last two seasons, their matchups. That'll be a great game. Then you've got the Jets, uh, the team that the Steelers just beat out for the playoff spot uh, last year. Then you've got New England. Then, obviously, you've got the two games against Baltimore, their rivals, um, you know, Cleveland, 
again, not that might you know those are two games that obviously aren't really that exciting. Um, you got your two Baltimore games that are always good. Uh, obviously, you know the Cowboys game is the one I've penciled just because um, you know they're traditionally our I would say our national rival just because in terms of uh, national popularity and even international popularity they're kind of the Steelers you know main rivals. So that game's always kind of exciting. Um, then there's also all, obviously the memories of the last time Dallas was here in 2008 when the Steelers won that exciting game in route to the Super Bowl. That game kind of spun both teams' seasons in, in different directions, um, which I don't know. So to me, that's kind of a game to look at. And the other game, too, I mean, New York versus the Steelers. You've got, you know, Big Ben versus Manning, uh, the class of 04, which is always kind of cool. So I think when you look at the entire schedule, there's awesome games. So I, I think it's going to be a, a fun, exciting season uh, if you're a Steeler fan. I don't think there's really any week that, that you're going to uh, be bored. And even, you know, the last one I'll mention is the Bills. That was the team that helped the Steelers get into the playoffs by beating the Jets. Steelers are going to play them in Buffalo. So, um, but we got time for another, you know, I think one more segment or two more segments. We'll talk about the Penguins as well to, to kind of finish things off. But, Matt, let's, let's talk about three predictions that you have for the Steelers 2016 season. Well, I'm sorry, three predictions? Yes. Um, you know, I think one, like I said earlier, they're going to beat New England in the regular season. Uh, I think they're going to take the AFC North again. And my final one, uh, you know, I, I really do think they're going to end up with a Super Bowl win next year. Oh, so you're going, you're going Super Bowl. Okay, so you're going, you're going. Now, who who do you think in AFC is the Steelers' biggest uh, obstacle to get there um, to win the Super Bowl? Do you see it being Denver, New England, the two teams that were in it a year ago? Do you see the Colts having a revival with Andrew Luck? You know, potentially being healthy. Uh, they obviously took a, a step in the in the opposite direction last year. You know, what what team do you see being the Steelers' main rival? And it, and it could be Cincinnati. That's another team that. You know, the won twelve games last year. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it being Denver this year. Uh, they've had a lot of changes out there, um, you know, and and we beat them in the regular season last year and played a good game against them in the playoffs. So, so I'm not, I'm not seeing it being Denver. Uh, Cincinnati, you know, with with the way that rivalry is going, I definitely think that's going to be a big challenge throughout the regular season. Um, you know, in terms of getting that AFC North victory. Um, but so as far as getting to the Super Bowl, I think New England could turn out to be uh, the biggest obstacle again. It just seems like they're always they're always right up there in the playoffs, and uh, we, we've uh, we've ran into them a couple of times in the past in the AFC title. So I like that. I like that. So my. I'm going to go to England too. I, my thing with New England is that, I mean, as long as Belichick's there and Brady's there and they're healthy, they're going to have a chance to win. And then, then every other piece is kind of interchangeable on that offense and that team. So, you know, I, I definitely think that, again, you know, they're going to be there. I think the Colts are going to have a much better season. Um, I think the Jets and I don't think the Bills really ever become players as long as the Patriots are still around. Um, you know, the Dolphins could get a little better, but I don't think they're going to be a serious threat. The Titans, the Texans had a really nice draft. Um, they obviously won their division last year. I think if they play the Steelers in the playoffs, that could be a tough matchup just because of, you know, I, I think Bill O'Brien's a good coach. Again, I don't I don't think, I think the Steelers are the front runner just like you do to, to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. 
but I do like what they're doing down there uh, in Houston. Um, I like, obviously, no, don't like, but with, with New England, they're always going to – you can't ignore them. And I think Denver will still be in the mix somewhere, but I, I think they're going to have a tough time just beating Kansas City. I think – I don't think we'll face them in the playoffs because I think they're going to have a tough time uh, getting out of the wild card rounds. I definitely don't see them, you know, getting one of the top two seeds. And, again, I, I don't know if they're going to beat Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City almost won that division. If You, you know, it, it, you forget that Kansas City actually had Denver beat uh, back in – maybe it was week two, and then Denver had this miraculous win late. And if they don't win that game, they don't beat Kansas City to win that division. So um, I definitely think that, that – it's just the parity of the NFL today. It, it, it honestly, a lot of it comes down to which team has the easiest route. But, you know, when, when you look at the AFC South, you've got uh, the Texans and Colts. Um, you look at the West, you've got the Chiefs, you've got the Broncos, and a lot of people like what uh, Oakland's doing. To me, Oakland's got to prove before I, I say they do anything. Them for the playoffs, until they prove me wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to go out on that limb. It, and the Steelers fans know. I mean, you remember, Matt, they, they played well in, in Pittsburgh. But, but to me, they haven't proven they have a defense yet. So, uh, you know, and then you look at, obviously, the Steelers division. They've got, uh, I would say, a tough division. I, I think Baltimore is definitely going to be better. Uh, than five and eleven, uh, as long as as Flacco's healthy, uh, and I definitely think Cincinnati's going to be a tough tough uh, out again. So, uh, but I think at the end of the day, it comes down to to the top two teams. I think are going to be there. It's going to be the Colts with luck healthy and kind of a rebuilt team around them, and it's going to be the Patriots. Uh, this is a quarterback driven league, and, and I think to me right now, those are the three best quarterbacks in football, and that's why I have them being the top three teams in the AFC: New England, Pittsburgh, and Indianapolis. So. Um, last thing we'll talk about, Matt, you can't talk about Pittsburgh sports and not talk about what the Pittsburgh Penguins are doing. They're on the cusp of winning uh, the Stanley Cup on Thursday night. Uh, do you think they're going to wrap it up in five? And I guess talk about, too, how cool it is that uh, if you follow social media, you've seen or just watched the Penguin game. I mean, the Steelers are, are taking over this NHL final. How cool is it, too, to, to see you know the Steelers really embrace the hockey team? So I'll go back to your first point there about uh, you know if I think the Penguins are going to wrap it up in five. Uh, I definitely I definitely think it's going to be a really close and exciting game. Um, you know when a team is down three one in a series, a lot of times you know they have a way of sort of hanging on a little bit, um, and they they manage to get that second victory. Uh, you, you you see a lot of four to two series in the NHL playoffs. Um, so I'm thinking. You know, I definitely don't think the series is going to go longer than six games. I think, um, you know, the Penguins could wrap it up on uh, Thursday night. If not, I think they'll do it in San Jose on Sunday in game six. I like that. Then, I'm, going to go, I'm going to say they win it. Uh, you know, honestly, they've, they've, I don't want to say they've dominated this series. I mean, if you look at the shot, shot total, I, I think the Penguins have almost 40 more shots than San Jose heading into this game. The Penguins haven't trailed in a playoff game since in, in regular season time since May 20th. You look at this series, you know, they've had, uh, what, two goal leads in, in all but one of the games, so so three out of the first four games. Um, you know, they had a, a 2 nothing lead in game one. They had a 2 nothing lead yesterday. Um, I just think the Penguins are just, just – just, they're just too strong. And I think it, on home ice – I think, it, to me, game five comes down to intensity. Because you know San Jose, the hardest win to get in a playoff series is the last one. I mean, the Penguins 
saw it with with Washington how they they came back and made it a series and made it seven games. I mean, you or was that seven or six games, Washington, man? You, you're a hockey guy. You can help me out with this. Uh, Washington, I believe, was six. I believe it was four. Okay, it was four two. So Tampa Bay, they went the distance. So you saw with Tampa Bay. I mean, and the Penguins were on the brink of elimination, and they were able to fight back and win the last two games, including the one on their home ice. So, you know, obviously the Sharks are going to come out firing tomorrow. They're going to hit hard. I mean, if you if you look at the series, the first two games really wasn't a lot of, of hitting on the boards or just in general. And then in game three, you started to see more of the hitting. And then game four, there was still some physical play. You know, and I think most of it was clean. There's that there's that Joe Thornton hit on Crosby that's kind of gone viral that was dirty. But overall, I think it's been a pretty clean series. You're going to see San Jose play with an edge tomorrow that they didn't have in the first two games in Pittsburgh. So to me, it comes down to, you know, A, is 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 Murray going to play well in net for Pittsburgh? Is he going to, because obviously he's had his, his moments of, I don't want to say meltdown, so he's had his moments where he has to put it strong. I, I mean, I would, I would say obviously his game three wasn't, wasn't very good. I mean, it was okay. Um, he faced a decent amount of shots, but he gave up a couple of, of, of questionable goals, especially the second one. Um, so to me, it comes down to how good he plays and can the Penguins match the intensity um, of San Jose? Because you know they're going to bring it tomorrow. But, but my answer is I think they will, and I think they're going to win it. But what, what, what do you – again, I, I just think it's cool that the Steelers are really embracing this. And have we seen something like this before in Pittsburgh in terms of just every – you know, the team supporting each other? Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me of uh, the 1970s with the Steelers and the Pirates. They even played – uh, in the same stadium together back in Three River Stadium. Uh, you know, and, and what was kind of cool about that also was uh, the Pirates World Series in 1979 was going on during the Steelers season. Um, you know, and I something – another thing this kind of reminds me of is that Sports Illustrated cover with uh, Terry Bradshaw and Willie Stargell together. Um, you know, I thought that really, you know – that really portrayed uh, the support that the two teams had for each other back then, and it's it's pretty neat to see all these other Pittsburgh athletes in the stands at Consol Energy Center. Um, you know, I was at game one of this series, and Antonio Brown was sitting a few sections over from me. Uh, I've seen Mike Tomlin uh, on TV in the front row at the games. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I definitely think that's really cool. Um, you know, and another person they that they showed at, at game one was Max Talbot, and that I thought was pretty cool um, because he was he had a big role in our last Stanley Cup victory, and he's uh, playing for another team now. But uh, I think that goes to show that you know once you once you play in Pittsburgh for for one of the teams, you always sort of have some, that connection to the city and its fans. Um, so yeah, I think it's really cool at the games. There's there's never a dull moment. Um, you know, when there's a stoppage in play, they show one of our other athletes on the big screen. I do think it's cool. And also to to, to, to show how old I am, I remember where Paul Coffey and Mark Recchi played at Pittsburgh, and they've been at the games too, because this is kind of, of, of correlating with the 25th anniversary of their very first Daily Cup team back in 1991. So it's kind of coming full circle here in Pittsburgh, which I think is a, is a cool thing. And, uh, uh, it's, there, it's definitely going to be a who's who among uh, Pittsburgh uh, athletes and, and just in general, like celebrities that have Pittsburgh ties. I know Michael Keaton was at, I think, game two in Pittsburgh. So it's going to be cool. And, and I'm sure the energy in Pittsburgh right now, I mean, it's, it's buzzing just because, you know, the team, you know, the city now has two full days to kind of get ready for the celebration. So let's hope that the, that the Penguins can get, 
the city's first championship clinch at home since 1960, which is just an unbelievable statistic. Obviously, the Steelers, they can't win a championship, the ultimate championship at home because uh, the Super Bowl is obviously played at a neutral site. But, uh, you know, no one else has been able to do that. So it's, it's cool that the Penguins could be the first team since the 60 Pirates to do that. So uh, we're going to get you guys out of here. Uh, until, well, without further ado, before we do that, I didn't get to my three predictions. We heard Matt. Here's my three predictions. I think Le'Veon Bell um, overcomes his injury, and I think he's going to reclaim his his position as the NFL's best back. I know that's kind of a mythical position because it's not like there's an award for best back in the NFL, but I think, you know, you could say the NFL rushing title, but I don't think that proves who the best back in the league is. I mean, I think, you know, the year that DeMarco Murray led the league in rushing in, in 2014 – you know, I think people still at the Bell, who was an all-pro that year, is the best back in football. I mean, Bell caught 83 passes for 854 yards. He had over 20, you know, 200 all-purpose yards. I, I think Bell, that season, was the best back. And he actually led the league in rushing last season, eight weeks into the year, despite only playing in five full games to that point. So, you know, yes, Adrian Peterson is a future Hall of Famer in my mind. And, yes, he ended up leading the league in rushing, but, you know, a week during you know going into week eight, he was an afterthought. No one was saying anymore that that AP was the league's best back. All of it was on Le'Veon Bell. So I think he's going to get that mythical title back, and I think people are going to be talking about him again as the league's best back. Not one of, it'll just be the best back in football. Uh, you know, at this time from a year from now, um, I also think that Big Ben's going to win the league MVP award. I I think that it's been a long time coming. I think that he has really evolved into a great passer. I think he was a great athlete the first few years of his career. Um, I think he molded into a very good quarterback. I think around the time he was in those last Super Bowls, 43 and 45, he was a very good NFL quarterback. I, even though he's winning the Super Bowls, I, I wouldn't have I put him back then as an, on the elite level. You know, I would say Super Bowl 40, he was a great athlete and a good quarterback. I think, you know, the middle of his career, he was a – very good quarterback and a great athlete, and I think now he's a great quarterback. He's an elite quarterback, best of the best. Uh, you could say he's the best in football. I think I think he was the best in football last year, and I think the numbers back that up. Um, you know, you know, playing with with an injured foot, the guy threw for 380 yards. I mean, the guy torched up every NFL defense, uh, torched up uh, you know the Broncos twice. I think he's gonna be league MVP. And I think the Steelers' defense this year, uh, they might have the best defensive line in football. I think they have the best uh, defensive ends in football um, as a duo between Cameron Hayward and Stephon Tewitt. I think one of them, probably Hayward because of the name recognition and just because he's good, I think he'll be a pro bowler next year for the first time in his career. Uh, he cracked the NFL's top 100 list at number 88 this year, which was deserving, and I think he is going to be a pro bowler. And I think with Javon Hargrave, our third-round pick coming in, who had 37 sacks during his four years at South Carolina State, him and Tewitt. Now, they don't have a lot of depth at the defensive end position. You know, they've let – or just the, the D-line. They've let McClendon go. They let Cam Thomas, you know, test the market. He was signed earlier this week by another team. So, uh, the Steelers definitely don't have a lot of depth there. But I think just when you look at their starting lineup, I think their defensive line is going to be known as the best in football and is going to continue to – wreak havoc in terms of getting to the quarterback and shutting down the opponent's rushing games. So for Matt Zimba and Brian Diardo, that will do it for this installment of the Steelers podcast. We apologize for how long it took for us to get you this one, but we also promise you that it will not be another several weeks before we give you another one. So uh, without further ado, we wish the Pens best of luck closing it out and uh, continuing the Steelers' run 
and Pittsburgh's run as the city of champions. So once again, for Matt, this is Brian. Have a great day, and as always, it's a great day to be a Steelers fan.